Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. This episode of the Coffeehouse is the start of another two-parter, so we're not talking about just one composer, but two. Johann Sebastian Bach and his son, Carl Philippe Emanuel Bach. Today, we'll be going over the history of J.S. and C.P.E. Bach, and in our next episode, episode 71, we'll take a look at their music. are probably well aware of the most famous Bach, Johann Sebastian Bach, but he wasn't the only great musician in his family, as there was many great musicians that came both before and after him. Carl Philipp Emanuel Bach is just one of his many sons who actually went on to have a fantastic music career. It should be noted that it was only after the death of Johann Sebastian Bach that he reached his modern prodigious fame due to the promotion of his music by Felix Mendelssohn. And really, aside from Johann Christian Bach, another one of Bach's sons, moving to Italy and then London, the Bachs were just a local German family with very little fame outside of central Germany for most of their existence. Now, this whole musical family apparently had frequent family gatherings, and they would all participate in music and merrymaking. So really, they're just like any goofy family getting together and doing a single fun activity that they all enjoy. There's a list of all the musical Bachs from the family published in the Oxford Music Online Journal that lists over 70 such musical Bach family members starting from back in the 1500s and ending in the 1800s. Wow. The composition of most of this family tree is actually attributed to our famous J.S. Bach, who, in addition to being a musician, was actually quite interested in genealogy. He created a very detailed and basically uninterrupted list of his entire family that provides us with a lot of what we know about the box that came before Johann Sebastian. Unfortunately, we don't have time to talk about every single member of this extensive musical family, but just know we are only scraping the surface here with J.S. and C.P.E. Let's start with Johann Sebastian Bach. J.S., as we will call him from now on, was born in Eisenach, Germany in 1685 as the son of a little-known yet notoriously brilliant musician named Johann Ambrosius Bach, who was a court musician. There is not much known about the childhood of J.S. Bach. However, we can tell from birth and death dates that his father Ambrosius died when J.S. was only 10. After this, J.S. moved in with his older brother Johann Christoph, also a musician, get that, (laughs) and was given clavier and organ lessons. J.S. became a very competent young musician and was a member of his schoolboys choir, which at that time was quite a prestigious placement. J.S. was a staunch Lutheran and wrote many sacred works, such as chorales, cantatas, such as his famous Rocket Off, Sleepers Awake, and oratorios, such as his pivotal St. Matthew Passion. And this sacred work writing was partly due to his upbringing, since he spent most of his time at church-run schools. The music that he had been predominantly exposed to was sacred rather than secular. 
However, this would serve him well. There seemed to always be job openings for church organists at this time, and this allowed the young J.S. to really get his feet wet in the musical world. The beginning of the 1700s was the start of what is known as J.S.'s Arnstadt period, since that was where he was spending a lot of his time. Here he was beginning to explore new types of music that weren't sacred. Interestingly, his church employers at the time became increasingly unhappy with him. Apparently, his harmonizations of the hymns were far too extreme, that the congregation was having a hard time singing along. But this showed that J.S. Bach was on the cutting edge of music modernization already. And there were a few more instances throughout Bach's life where he was dismissed or resigned from positions due to him and his employers not agreeing on how complex or modern the church music should be. Bach was steadfast in his opinions of musical progress and readily left places his methods were questioned. By 1714, after many church positions, Bach was now established as the concertmaster for the court of Weimar. This was his first real dabble in court versus church life. However, things soon turned sour here as well. Bach wished to leave after having been passed over for a higher position, but he was not allowed to. After a strange contest of organ playing, which Bach actually won only because his opponents skipped town the night before, Bach was finally allowed to leave. That is, after the Duke of Weimar imprisoned him for a month. So as a side note, that sounds like a duel, where somebody challenged Bach to a duel, and as is customary, the challengee chooses the weapon, and Bach said, organ, <laughs> and the other person, the challenger said, well, actually, no, and just left. Yeah, I think it definitely was considered a duel. His next tenure was spent as a musical director at Cothen. This is probably one of his most famous periods, as he produced many of his most famous works, such as the Brandenburg Concertos, the French Suites, the Unaccompanied Cello Suites, and the Well-Tempered Clavier. We can see that Bach was really becoming proficient enough to get away with his modern ideas, and people were starting to catch on. Also during this time, J.S. married the famous Anna Magdalena, for whom his Notebook for Anna is composed. J.S. was constantly moving around. He next found a post in Leipzig, and this was a particularly interesting position as he was the director of church music and was required to produce new cantatas every Sunday for the congregation. He also produced a first copy of the St. Matthew Passion, which even now in modern times has been described as the greatest sacred vocal work to be produced. As J.S. was aging, he spent a lot more time revisiting his old works rather than producing new ones. He also spent a lot of time traveling and visiting his many musical children. On one such occasion, he was visiting his son CPE, who, as we'll talk about, was employed by Frederick the Great. The famous musical offering was a sort of backhanded gift to Frederick. During his court visit, Frederick gave J.S. a theme and challenged him to improvise a three-voice fugue, which Bach did on the spot. Frederick then demanded a six-voice fugue, which Bach unfortunately could not improvise. However, he took the theme home with him, and two months later, he sent to Frederick II his musical offering, comprised of the three-voice fugue, ten puzzle cannons acting as explorations of musical ideas in the theme, and finally, the requested six-voice fugue. In 1750, J.S. died of uncertain causes. He had previously had some eye issues that he underwent unsuccessful surgeries for, but his exact cause of death is unknown. We also now know J.S. Bach to be the king of the Baroque era, with his death in 1750 commonly being quoted as the end. 
A few of his musical sons were working during the time of J.S.'s heyday, and their styles definitely reflect that. However, as they lived well beyond his death, and the classical era came about in full force, many of them changed their styles with the changing times. Such as Carl Philippe Emanuel Bach, who we'll now talk about. Carl Philippe Emanuel Bach is J.S.'s second oldest son. His mother was actually J.S.'s first wife, Maria Barbara Bach. CPE was born in 1714 when J.S. had just been appointed court concertmaster at Weimar. C.P.E. Bach studied music extensively with his father and, as a result, inherited the title of the most important Protestant composer after his father died. C.P.E. actually successfully studied law at Frankfurt University, graduating in 1735. And this makes him basically the only composer we've looked at who went to law school and actually stuck with it. Good for him. But he did love music more than law, so his degree was never put to use. In 1740, CPE became a harpsichordist in the court of Frederick the Great of Prussia. Frederick, a musician in his own right on the flute, had a deep appreciation for music. Every night of the week, there were concerts or operas that were put on for the court's enjoyment. And like his father before him on organ, C.P.E. became renowned as Master Harpsichordist. He wrote a definitive treatise on the subject of playing titled Essay on the True Art of Playing Keyboard Instruments. And while that sounds a bit pretentious, C.P.E. had every right to call himself an expert. Records from people observing his performances declared that he, quote, grew so animated and possessed that he looked like one inspired, suggesting perhaps he was on a mission from God. Now, much as he was liked by Frederick the Great, C.P.E. decided to leave so he could be more free to experiment with composition. As it was, Frederick tended to like the older styles, but C.P.E. wanted to try something new as the classical era came about. And in 1767, C.P.E. was finally allowed to leave, where he quickly became the musical director at Hamburg. Here, he was able to go beyond the scope of the music that his father, J.S., had ever been able to write. CPE began experimenting with a new genre, the symphony, and he was a pioneer of this genre, learning to incorporate the sonata allegro form into some movements, using dance styles in other movements, and generally expanding the instrumentation from just strings to also including wind instruments. These innovations allowed CPE to have a big influence on the great classical composers such as Haydn, Mozart, and eventually Beethoven. Therefore, CPE has a great influence on a whole generation of musicians who were taught by each of these composers. Haydn, quote, father of the symphony, was said to have recommended CPE's keyboard essay to all of his students as the most comprehensive textbook about playing. And although he did want to push the boundaries, CPE was vehemently devoted to his father. In many of his director posts, CPE would put on concerts featuring both his own music and that of his father. And normally, CPE was a pleasant and non-confrontational person, a little unlike his father, J.S., it seems. But he would adamantly defend his father against any criticism and did his best to prevent unauthorized publishing of his father's works. CPE stayed in his Hamburg post until his death in 1788. By the time of his death, he was far more famous than his father had been at the same point in his life.
although now it seems like JS Bach is the more famous Bach, it is definitely still worth investigating his son's work. So, be sure to listen to our next episode coming out in two weeks on March 24th for a look at some musical examples from both JS and CPE Bach. And thank you very much for tuning in to episode 70 of the Coffee House Classical Music Podcast. If you like what we are doing, please consider following us on Facebook or Instagram and leaving us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also, share us with a like-minded, classically listening-induced friend. <laughs> Obviously, your friendship ties are only due to classical music. Indeed, that's the best reason to be friends <laughs> with somebody. So, for the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. J.S. Bach's JSU Joy of Man's Desiring was arranged and performed by Michael Rondeau and Jeffrey Campbell. The Prelude and Fugue in C Major was performed by Peter Bregley Fulgoni. C.P. Bach's Flute Sonata in E Flat Major was performed by Alexander Murray and Martha Goldstein. Symphony in B Flat Major was performed by the Orchestra de la Suisse Romande, conducted by Joseph Kilberg. You can find the Coffeehouse on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com.